Over the Ball is brought to you by Soccer America. Soccer America, the soccer paper of record. Go to SoccerAmerica.com and sign up for your subscription today. And by Nella from Fitbiomics. A Harvard doctor has found the probiotic strain that is found in most world-class athletes. Not all probiotics are the same. More information on all our sponsors at OverTheBall.com slash sponsors. Call or text us at 424-229-2247. That's 424-229-2247. Hey, this is Bob Lee, and you're listening to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn, the world's game from an American perspective. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn alongside Chris Shamides. We both continue to be on the road. I am uh, I'm back on Nantucket. The comedy festival is over. I uh, slept for two days straight, went to the vineyard, performed my play, Fear Heights, for a couple of days. Chris, you are still in L.A. You're not traveling as much as me. but uh, So I do my play the other night, Fear Heights. I go in the green room. I'm sitting there having a brewski. That's kind of the old stand-up comic in me. And uh, somebody walks in, knocks on the door, and then just walks right in. Guess who it is? Uh, this is a tough one. Um, oh, you know why? Because you have all of humanity to choose from. <laughs> That's uh, Harvard lawyer turned into kind of a Trumpy, uh, got in trouble, named in the Epstein thing. Uh, uh, oh, Alan, did I already tell you about Alan Dershowitz? Alan Dershowitz. Alan Dershowitz walked in? Yes. He walked in. So he goes, your father, was, your father was from Brooklyn. I said, yeah, yeah, my father's from Brooklyn. And so I'm like, holy shit, it's Alan Dershowitz. Oh, my God. And there was a big article in the local newspaper, Martha's Vineyard, about he was pissed because they weren't letting him do a book signing. And people were like, you were named in the Epstein case, man. Nobody wants to let you have a book signing. Um, and so anyway, none of that came up, thankfully, when he came into the green room. I was just sort of like, uh, uh hey, you know. Yeah. And uh, he goes, he tells me a story. He goes, uh, your father, you know, from, from Brooklyn. I said, yeah, yeah. Whereabouts? I said, he went to Fort Hamilton High School. And, and he says, oh, uh. Oh, Fort Hamilton. Yes. He goes, we play basketball against them. Uh, he goes, the Irish kids beat me up after the game. <laughs> I didn't know you, your dad went to Fort Hamilton. I grew up right next to Fort, like really close to Fort Hamilton. Yeah. My dad went to Fort Hamilton High School. And uh, yeah, he's, he, Alan said, he starts telling me about the winning shot he made in the basketball game. And I'm like, oh no, am I going to go through glory days? Uh, Harvard educated lawyer. Yeah. Knowing that Bernard King went to Fort Hamilton High School, I, I find his, his, his story to be borderline unbelievable. Well, it was probably a different day and age, but he said um, he had a bracelet on because he was like allergic to penicillin or something. So he must have been one of those kids. It's like the lactose intolerant kids now, you know, or the peanut allergies, which are true, which are real. I'm not discounting them. It's just we all, whenever you get a peanut allergy person or a, a, a milk lactose intolerant, we kind of look at each other like, oh, it's one of your kids. Huh? Like, Shut up. It's a real allergy. It is. I know it is. It's scary, but it's still kind of funny. Oh, uh, so we could only have a videotape of that scenario. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, oh, so he walks in, and what's your first? What's the first thing you say? I go, Alan. How you didn't you? go, Mister Dershowitz. You went. No, out. no, I went, Alan. Are you kidding me? Because I just came off stage, so yeah. I'm the main dog, not you, Dersh. Yeah, yeah. You didn't go, Ad. I probably, hey, Dershty, Dersh, Dersh, Dershy man. What's happening? Uh, no. So he uh, kind of just started talking about. He played in this basketball game, and he took a shot, and his uh, allergic to penicillin wristband the kid in the face uh, by accident. It was a total accident. I swear. It was a very, suddenly he's Woody Allen. <laughs> and and I, I'm due back on Mars. Um, that's a terrible Woody Allen, isn't he? And uh, he said it hit the kid in the face by accident. And he said the Irish kids were waiting for him afterwards and kicked his ass. Wow. I said, well, 
How many times has a, a nerdy Jewish kid said that story in Brooklyn in the um, in yeah. the fifties? Probably imagine. the motivation to become a lawyer is to right. Exactly. I said, Alan. I said, Alan, you became a Harvard professor, Harvard educated. I said, you win. Yeah. Said, oh well, I, I didn't win on that day. I said, oh no, I don't think you did. He did the OJ thing too, wasn't he? Part of that dream team. Oh, it was a hired gun, I think. Tangentially, that. yeah, towards the end. Yeah, you know, just follow the money. These guys. So, um, yeah. so How speaking long of following conversation with him. Uh, 10 minutes, his wife was there and she was uh, very pleasant. So I, you know, I was pinned. I was, I was pinned in. It wasn't, wasn't like yeah. a party situation where I could move, but anything that's involved with that Epstein thing, I just get the EBGBs to say the yeah. least, you know, it's, yeah, uh, he was it's allegedly weird. a part of that yeah, scenario. on the Lolita plane. Yeah. Heading to that, that Island. Lolita so Island. he comes backstage because you, because of the Brooklyn connection. Yeah, because I was talking about my father from Brooklyn. Because in the play, I talk about my dad. One of his neighborhood buddies was killed in the Korean War. And so my dad and six of his buddies from the neighborhood go down to the recruiting office, the Army recruiting office, and enlist. And my dad was only 17 at the time, so they sent him home. But he went home, got his older brother Jim's birth certificate. And Jim had already fought in World War II. And he went back down and enlisted under his brother's name. And off he goes. So it uh, would never happen today. You know, enlisting, enlisting in your brother's name or seven guys from one neighborhood going at once. Did and he, he switch that, back to his name once he was there or he just? To yeah. I, well, it's funny. The FBI came to his house after he turned 18 and didn't fill out his draft card because he was already in Korea. Um, the FBI uh, came to his front door. But, do you know, Chris, because you're from Brooklyn, do you know, there were more men killed in the Korean War from Brooklyn than any other city in the country. I didn't know place that. Or town. Yeah. Yep. They all went. Wow. It was. It was truly the American melting pot, you know, uh, everything, the Italians, the Poles. Um, yeah. Well, you talk about like Fort Hamilton. I went to high school just down Shore Road there at Zavarian High School. And we had a lot of guys who went out of there and became firefighters, cops, brokers, all that stuff. So 9-11 really hit that school in a really big way. Yeah. Yeah. Lost a couple of people in my town. Well, when I lived in the Upper East Side of Manhattan, uh, they lost more people than anyone else um, that were working there. And two of their firefighters houses um, were, were decimated by it so yeah um so we cheered oh, so everybody up on a soccer show yeah exactly <laughs> what, what an upbeat start to the show <laughs> well i gotta tell you what i was doing so uh the show went well i go to i go to edinburgh on sunday so for the month so we'll be doing over the ball from overseas all right over the over the over the ball so yeah. uh all right so a couple things you got to be happy with your uh your italian italians doing well up in toronto huh yeah, big commitment. Uh, you know, there's, a, there's apparently a really big population uh, of Italian huge, huge people in Toronto. And so they've always kind of gravitated toward that player just to help fill seats and also win on the field. And so they've, mm -hmm. they've done well with that formula in the past. And now in the summer signings, you have Insigne, Bernadeschi comes in and right away they light up 4-0. So they had a great game against Charlotte and those guys get goals, assists, all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's a new day in Toronto. Well, you know, you know, from coaching, you just you plop a couple of studs in there and everybody starts to play at another level. You know, it, it picks it up, especially guys that you can just drop in and, you know, and they suddenly are are up to speed already. And, and yeah, then some. Yeah, exactly. And like you look at the scoreline, you have Michael Bradley scores two goals and he's not necessarily that type of a player. But, you know, where he's weekly day, day in, day out, week in, week out scoring goals. But you put a lot of good football people together and now the attack becomes multifaceted and a guy like that can get goals again so it's uh it's going to unlock that team in a good way talk about bradley a little bit because he's sort of a knock and support player right but now he's even older uh he sort of aged out of the national team 
Uh, has his game changed because of his uh, age and the, the inability to sort of do what he had done before? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously experience, positioning, knowledge, all that stuff kind of grows. And, and he's done a great job of still being effective with his smarts, his feet, his body positioning, how he receives the ball, how quickly yeah. he sees people and plays it. So he's continued to be efficient. Of course, the more mobile the people are around him, the better. But right. he's, you know, under Klinsman, you know, there were different roles. They wanted him higher up the field. If you wanted, I don't like to use numbers a lot, but if you want to talk about like a six or an eight or a 10, you know, everyone thought of him as a six, but he's got qualities to go forward in good ways. And I think yeah. if you have a good team and you give him some freedom, he can get goals and assists as well. And he showed that at the international level. And uh, he's also done it in, with good teams in MLS. Uh, now, Bale gets himself a goal in L.A. And Chiellini's playing as well. So we, yeah, Chiellini's got a Italian connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's got a couple of starts now. Uh, he certainly looks the part. He's what a player, what a personality. Right. Like he's just the first one to hug his teammates, to hug his coach, to energy. Uh, you know, I think he almost got a yellow card the first week when he was coming off the bench where LAFC scored and he went onto the field to celebrate. He wasn't even in the 11 at the time. Um, <laughs> so, like, you know, there, there's just an energy level and an enthusiasm that is making this team just fly really high. They're already a first place team doing very well and you bring his personality into the group and it's been amazing. And you could see just his passing, it, 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 he just makes it look easy, but he's so good at, you know, finding little ways to get guys the ball in the right time. He does it quickly, he does it early and he, he makes everyone around him better, which of course, you know, when you play for Italy and Juventus for that many years, you, you need to play that way. So absolutely. The Italians always, I don't know, they read the game well. They were the great uh, mathematicians in history. So maybe they're just playing the angles, doing a little geometry. He speak uh, English well? Do I? Yeah, really well. I'm fluent. I, well, I wouldn't say that. But does he, does he speak English? Oh, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. But I, I know there's an, on Amazon Prime, there's a uh, documentary all in all for all... Come on. So you can't all, speak all English, or nothing. You? Yeah, all or nothing. <laughs> all, all, and all, and all. <laughs> all or nothing. And they do different teams. They've done, you know, football teams, the New Zealand rugby team, uh, but they have one on Juventus, and it shows him talking to Weston McKinney, and it's a pretty funny conversation actually. But he's got some English in him. I think anyone who's played in Europe for many years does because that's how you. you that's the you know the, the language. That's the language as a second yeah. language with referees and whatnot. I asked uh, Jeff Agus that. I said, it always was strange to me. Like in an international game, let's say we're playing France uh, or you're playing, uh, I don't know, Guyana, Guyana. And like I said, Jeff, what language do they speak? Um, the referees is all, I guess, I don't know. I guess, I guess usually English. You know, usually the referee can speak English and that's the one where everybody, you know. So I always say the, the um, Central and South American referees don't always do us very much justice here. We don't get much of a break from them. Yeah, I think there's there's a there's a, a thing in our sport where where we all kind of pick up some bits of another language so that we can communicate, you know, so right. that we can talk to a ref or talk to a Spanish speaking player. Like you don't have to be necessarily fluent in Spanish, but you could, for example, know soccer Spanish, you know, yeah. and, and understand how to talk to refs. And refs do the same thing. If they're well prepared, they're gonna know in a professional game, you know, what languages they need to use, what words they need to use with which players and find that traction so that they can quickly converse on the fly during a game. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sure there's different people with different. Uh, Ayuda. Ayuda. 
Pasaki, como se llama? Yeah. yeah, all these, yeah. all these names. That's what we get. Yeah. Um, nice to see uh, the rich are getting richer. Man City, Holland's got himself a goal. Uh, he's gonna, he's gonna light it up. He's gonna light the Premier League up. They're the ones to beat, I'm afraid. Yeah, City. Uh, you know, going back to LAFC, Bale got a goal, so he he's been coming off the bench because he's he's had about four weeks off. So they're still looking at this as almost like a version of his preseason. I kind of don't want I don't kind of don't want Bale to do well. You know what I mean? I want sort of uh, well because we're playing Wales in the in the World Cup in November. And I guess uh, yeah. Well, you don't want him to do well on that day. Let's right. Say. Right, right, on right. that day. Okay. Yeah. I stand but correct. he gets a ball, you know, in open space. One of the LAFC forwards, Chicho, is smart enough to get a ball and give it to him early in open space, and he's 1v1. And, I mean, lights out. Forget it. The, this dude, he's players, an athlete. Yeah. Uh, he, I told you the story of watching Real Madrid train and seeing him as the best athlete on that field with Real Madrid players. So, okay, yeah, he's a little bit older, but he's not that old. And, and he's got some legs still. And you put him in open space in MLS, he's doing damage right away. So, yeah, yeah you now you talk about Holland. It's the thing that I take away from that goal. It's a classic city goal where their ball's on the ground and they're finding little ways to get through. But now when they put the ball across, Holland is, is sliding and, and barely getting something on it to put it in the goal. But the guy is so huge. His radius is so large yeah, yeah, yeah. that it's almost like, you know, if you're talking basketball, like it's Shaq, like you just put it up there, he's going to grab it, you know? Right. And so it's the same thing with Holland. You know how many goals this team is going to score this year with, with him having that kind of a radius? Because the, the comparison is that would have to go to Sterling or to Gabriel Jesus, you know, those kinds of guys in the past that, they're smaller guys. And so just the radius is a little bit smaller. Holland is double the size. I mean, he's going to just get buckets of goals this year, in my opinion. So that team is going to be hard to beat. And this might be a really great year for them in the Champions League. They always have one. Oh, the Champions League. Yeah, that's the one that's been hanging around Pep's neck forever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I wonder how Sterling's going to do wherever he goes. Because to play for Man City, you know, he'd have a he'd have two or three tap-ins, uh, you know, he'd have five, six tap-ins for the year, at least just tap-ins, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, with those wheels. And so uh, they're definitely going to change the way they play, but certainly with Pep, they're going to figure it out. Um, it's more of yeah. a classic Pep style, right? Yeah. Sterling looks like Chelsea, uh, Gabriel Jesus, uh, Arsenal. Uh, Zinchenko is going to leave Man City as well to go to Arsenal. Arsenal is coached by Arteta, who used to be Pep's yeah. assistant at City. So there's some connections there. So they're, they're going to lose some players, but that's the trade-off for adding Holland at that price. Um, I think the end product it, it could be better potentially. So it'll be interesting to see if they can break through the barriers because they've, they've done the Premier League. I mean, Liverpool's, Liverpool's has won one and has been on their tail almost every year. So the margins are so small. So you can't say that they're clearly going to win the league because Liverpool is just a couple of points away from winning it themselves. But now in the Champions League, you know, does this make a difference now where – Oh, yeah. brings another element. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. you know, they're they're the team to beat, I would say, too. Um, watch Lewandowski play a little bit with Barcelona. He looks like he was a man with something to prove. I mean, he always works hard. He's always dangerous. But uh, it yeah. was fun to see that Barcelona Barcelona looks like they're coming back, man. They they looked they looked yeah. good. All all the returning players have now had time with Xavi, so they understand what they want um, or what's going to be expected of them. It's, you know, sometimes when you play a new style, whether it's that Barcelona way or Pep's way or Xavi's way, it's, 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 it takes a little time to get the rhythm of it. That's why anyone who's new to Man City sometimes struggles in that first year. Same thing with Barcelona. Right. But in year two and three, it all kind of takes off. And Lewandowski is going to come to the table with tons of fitness. He's a monster in the box. 
but he also, and he has said this, he was also at Bayern when he was coached by Pep. So there are a All lot right. of the, the Barcelona ideas that he got from Pep back then. And that's going to give him, you know, a short learning curve for what Xavi wants because they're very similar uh, in that sense. So I expect him to do very well this year. And Real Madrid has won a whole bunch last year. So Barca will be in the, in the hunting role. And I think that's always dangerous when a club is in that role. Uh, checking out Manchester United, they seem to be a little bit of research. I mean, you mentioned Arsenal, which they really came along towards the end of the year. And I was talking to someone last night just about the finish of the Premier League season. It's still, he was still like crackling about it, just sort of thing, how amazing it was. And some people were like, well, it's, I go, well, it's almost like every playoff game is happening at the same time and they all interact kind of like a wild card chase or something. And it just was such a fucking great way to finish the season. It was, uh, it was unbelievable. Yeah. But so anyway, these certain teams are and people are reconfiguring things. Um, so funny to see Sterling go to Chelsea. Um, Arteta picking up some players. Uh, they're going to be stronger. I think he's going to do very well there. Uh, Gabriel at Arsenal. Um, it was, yeah, it'll be interesting because Arsenal is not a Champions League team right now. So, right. They, you know, they need a year to build back up into that profile. Like on paper, they are built with their stadium and their budget and all that to be a Champions League team. So this is a big blow for them. And, you know, I don't know if it if he keeps his job, Arteta, if they don't get back to Champions League. I hate right, to this year. be direct that way, but uh, don't wish anything like that on a fellow coach. But, you know, that's something that uh, probably he's going to feel that pressure because they spent some money. They got some of the players that he wants. He's had a couple of years there now. They need to be a Champions League club. So Top that'll be interesting top. when you have Tottenham coming up the ranks. You, you almost have to give, if there are four slots, you have to give Liverpool and City those slots unless something random happens. Right. So now there's loads of teams now. You have Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham. Out of those four, two are going to be on the outside looking in. That's crazy to think about that. Yeah, and a lot of money's lost. And I mean, you talk about the Champions League. It's almost like it's what people count first. Um you know, you want to win your domestic league, but if you want to represent outside of your country, I mean, the Premier League seems to be the top league in the world, but uh, the Champions League is seems to be, you know, the end all for all players. Now, having said that, Ronaldo certainly isn't making any friends in, at Manchester United. It's it's interesting because, look, we grew up on these athletes like a Mickey Mantle who plays for the Yankees his entire career. So that's not really happening anymore that, you know, players move all over for the highest bidder. But as a player makes these sort of demands on teams, he signed a contract. They did not get into the champions league. Now he wants to leave them and go somewhere else just to play in the champions league. It's almost like saying, I want to, you know, it's like literally a mercenary. You're not even fighting for your country or whatever. You're, you're just fighting to, um, to play in the champions league. Like that's the only thing that counts. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I'm always curious what the contract actually was, like what the clauses are in the contract. Yeah. You know, obviously he, he has a, a real intention to be, as, as we all know, the greatest player. And, and part of that is, okay, Messi is maybe ahead of him in certain ways, whether it's Ballon d'Or and all these kinds of things, but there's an area which is Champions League football, where I believe is the highest goal scoring player ever in the Champions League. And so yeah. there's an area where he could statistically finish atop everybody. And so he doesn't want to lose an opportunity to play in that competition. And he knows that United is not at that competition. And so he's right. finding little ways. They're calling it personal time, but he's finding little ways to negotiate what could or, or could not happen. So it's, uh, you know, they're, they're both staring at each other. It's, it's a, some version of a game of chicken. 
and the coach wants him there. Um, he signed a contract to be there, but hey, we all know if, if Ronaldo doesn't want to be there and he's unhappy about that, at what point does United need to go to plan B and actually get something in exchange for him versus, yeah. you know, allowing him to be unhappy in that squad? Yeah, but is Ronaldo still Ronaldo, basically, is the question. And can you still make the demands that you made as one of the top two players in the world for 10 years plus? Uh, you know, and I think it's, it's unfortunate. It would be nice if he ended his career there, maybe made Champions League you know, with the team this year for next year. Um, but I mean, this is almost like the Harry Kane thing. We talked about this a little bit last week where when you're a great player, a marquee player like that starts to talk about, I want to move on. It's sort of a letdown to your teammates, you know, uh, yeah. well, you don't want to be here. And Harry Kane cut sort of uh, fair or unfair. It sort of messed with, with Tottenham's uh, psyche there for a year and a half. It seemed where it was dangling. Is he going? Is he staying? He wants to go. He's not happy. He's happy, but you know, it was crazy. Yeah, I think with Ronaldo, it's it's a, uh, you know, it's one of those situations where, it, it, and this is why I'd be shocked if his, it, it, knowing him and what his intentions are, I would imagine his agent would always have that clause in there saying, hey, if United is not a Champions League football, not playing in Champions League football, that that he gets an ability to explore other options. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like they didn't do that, which is a little surprising, but United hasn't been knocking on the door of the, or they've been close to the champions league, but they haven't necessarily been in it consistency consistently. So I'm surprised that he went there. I mean, you could say he's older, but he still led man United in, in goals last year. So unbelievable. And, unbelievable. We act like he's not the player he was and yet he's leading them. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so now as a new coach who apparently, you know, is coming in with new ideas, et cetera, et cetera. If you have him in the squad, you, you do need to understand there's certain things he's not going to be able to do, particularly on the defensive side over the course right. of the season. And so you have to kind of tweak your tactics potentially around him. And that's a trade-off that a coach makes based on X number of goals he thinks he's going to get versus politically saying, we want you, we want you, um, but also working on his release to go somewhere else. But it sounds like United is standing firm, which could be a lose-lose situation for them if at the end of the day, Ronaldo doesn't want to play there. Well, if he stays on the team and, and gets on the pitch, the guy's going to try to score goals. It's just, it, it's in his DNA. But, and looking, you know, from Manchester United's point of view, what are you going to give them up for like three mediocre to, to upper mediocre players that you already have a team full of those type of guys. So I, I, I see him staying and saying, you know, no, you have a contract, you have to stay here and hopefully yeah. you don't have a, a bail situation, but we have a situation where you're like, okay, I'll, I'm in and I'll start to score goals again. So. Yeah. Um, well, the question will come down to who has more power, Man United or Ronaldo in this situation. Ooh, and that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, and Ronaldo. Chicken is, to the egg, man. Chicken to the egg. Yeah, we'll Ronaldo's happens. not been at preseason. He's he's basically exercising that and seeing how this is all going to play out. And Man United has stood firm in the ground, and something's going to give. Yeah, so coach, an unhappy man. Ronaldo is not going to work out. I could tell you that. Yeah, because he'll poison the bench. You've talked about it before as a coach. You know, certain type of players can come in and sort of just what did you use last week? The the deodorant of success. There could mm. be the deodorant of failure. Um, mm. So. So <laughs> I love it. I'm going to start, I'm going to use deodorant in every paragraph that I ever say from now on to people. Uh, so, uh, all right, brother. Well, uh, I head out to Scotland on Sunday. I get there Monday and start performing on Wednesday. So uh, we'll have to check in. Wow. How many dry runs have you done of the show so far? Uh, yeah, probably 10. 10, 10. 
with audience 10 with audience. yeah with audience yeah yeah Got it. Got it. so it's okay. going to be interesting to see because like you know i've gotten you know get standing ovations about half the time which is a good sign um there haven't been where i've been doing these sort of dry runs like this weekend it was like between 20 and 50 people so you know it's a 110 seat theater that i'm performing at and if they're laughing the show is going to be a little longer it's only supposed to be an hour it's probably at about an hour and five now and that's without laughs so mm. um, hope, hopefully it'll be two hours long mm -hmm. i don't know but uh we'll see i got a lot to learn when i get over there but i'm i'm as prepared as i can possibly be so uh that's but, awesome yeah so i'll be doing the show from across the pond and you'll be uh getting ready for preseason right yeah getting ready for preseason does does your show have any soccer in it in any way uh yeah i, I talk about playing in the indoor league i say i yeah. played three years of professional soccer and then i say please hold your applause everyone remain in their seats <laughs> and that gets a good laugh because you know professional soccer in the late 80s in america yes wasn't, wasn't exactly a showstopper on my road to fame and non-fame and non-fortune so yes all right ma'am so well, hopefully, good luck uh, with the shows let us okay, want to hear how it goes yeah, and uh, keep in touch. We'll see what's happening with you as you start to go into preseason. We'll start really kind of maybe moving towards the collegiate game a little bit to, to cover that as well as everything else. All right, everybody. That's uh, all the time we have today on Over the Ball. For Chris Shamides and Kevin Flynn, I'm Kevin Flynn. And we'll talk to you next time, everybody, on OTB. Call or text us at 424-229-2247. That's 424-229-2247. 